Welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm David Lavin. I am joined, as usual, by my felly, fellow felly, fellow Unibet poker ambassador, Dara O'Kearney. Dara, it's been a busy week. I've noticed you grinding the Unibet Spring Championship events every single night. Uh, how's it been going for you? Um, kind of mixed. I'm, I'm kind of there or thereabouts in the, in the high uh, leaderboard, but nowhere in the other in the other ones. Um, so, yeah, it's been kind of mixed. Uh, I see you were off getting a haircut Uh which you told me about. Nice, very nice haircut, Dave, because obviously of the two of us, you were the one who really needed a haircut. <laughs> we, you usually get told by the people in our uh, comment section. When yeah, you I know. I, I can already foretell half the comments of this are going to be, why the hell hasn't Dara had a haircut yet? <laughs> well, this week we are joined by a very special guest, it, it must be said. He's had a haircut too, by the looks of things, an esteemed member of the poker community, a legend of poker broadcasting. He now carries... Not one, but two other people in that WSOP main event coverage booth uh, each year. He is the uh, WSOP circuit event winner, Lon McCarran. Lon, welcome. Well, hello, gentlemen. How are you? Yes, got the haircut yesterday. Family member does my hair. So I get a good rate and I leave a good tip. And why the hell hasn't Dara had his haircut? Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm wondering. <laughs> Dara, Dara's wife's normally on the case, Dara. So you got to give uh, Murray a shout. Yeah, I think she she's already told me that uh, it's, it's scheduled for next week. She she's barely seen me the last two weeks. She's just come into that door every so often to to bring me food and then disappeared off. So. <laughs> Smart woman, and that's why you've been married so long. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> what a system you have going there, Dara. It's amazing. It really is. Uh, Lon, we wanted to have you on this show right after, right on the heels of your circuit ring victory, but our schedules clashed around that time and we were not able to. But nonetheless, I wanted to give an appropriate amount of love and attention to that result. Can you tell us about that win? And did you play the tournament from inside the ladies' bathroom of the win, which I believe is traditional <laughs> now for WSOP commentators? Well, no, uh, Jamie Kerstetter has, the, of course, that honour and just the third wheel in the booth. So she has to play in the bathrooms. I actually got a very comfortable seat with a USB charger. So I'm good. <laughs> Now, it was fun. It was, um, you know, I said in the in the post-game interview, and, and I've noticed that, uh, I see, in my first post-game interview, uh, that, and I have to empathize with players who have one and talk and, and get banged for, you know, saying crazy things in an interview, because your brain is, is so uh, blown up at that moment, just minutes after your win. You don't know what you're saying, really. And so, uh, the one thing I did mention, I want to clarify, I said it was easy. It felt easy. And it, and I think you guys can can relate. Uh, you're very good poker players, both of you, I know. But it, nothing bad really happened. You know, I just took my time. I went in very relaxed. Um, and it just, things fell into place. I was hitting my draws when I needed to. And at the final table, one of the shorter ones, there was some crazy guy who could not miss. And he's getting chipped. And it just... You know, just kind of built to a little pyramid and I uh, beat a head, guy heads up whose last name is Norman. So what more can I want, you know? It's <laughs> a good feeling. Yeah. Just I don't want a moment there to go unnoticed. Do you hear that, Jennifer Tilly? Very good player, uh, Lon McCarron just said. Very good player he recognizes me as being. So just want to make that clear for uh, anyone out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, she's not even a full-time player. Don't take her opinion. <laughs> well, Dara, this was a seniors event Lon played, uh, a format you've only, of course, very recently been eligible to uh, gain experience in. Uh, what adjustments have you learned over the years in those games? Um, 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I definitely played the first one, or at least the first twenty minutes of the first one, really badly. And I just played it like <laughs> a normal tournament, and uh, um, it's just it's just different. Like, there's far more multi-way pots. Uh, pots can get bloated uh, pre-flop, um, so you just have to kind of rethink your ranges completely and just think like, well, what hands actually play well multi-way? Um, you know, like maybe my king jack off if, if I open this and seven people call, I'm not going to like it. So, uh, that's one of the adjustments. And then there's, there's post flop adjustments too. Like, there, there are some players who are just very, very stubborn and don't fold. Um, and it becomes, it, it can become a, a very boring net note peddling game. Now, that that said, like you said, I, I only recently turned them, but actually, I've been playing them for seven years now, and they've changed over that time considerably. Like <laughs> seven years ago, the standard was there's no other way to put it, it was dreadful. It was just like playing poker back 20 years ago, nothing had evolved. Now, when I play seniors, they're not noticeably softer than most tournaments, most live tournaments I play. A, a lot of seniors, um, are studying they're they're signing up for training sites they're watching content so they they have leveled up and it, and it's become more uh, like a normal tournament in uh uh recently in my at least in my experience and again you know it's obviously yeah. a small sample size like i've been playing them for years but i probably only played 15 of them so i think it probably depends on where you are as well i mean in, in you know your geographic region i'm playing out of the sacramento region northern california thunder valley um, there had, you know, not far from Bay 101, we're getting a lot of people up from the Bay Area into Sacramento. JC Tran has certainly, you know, been the number one figure in the area where I'm playing, and he's no slouch. And so, um, but I think the seniors actually, like any, like like senior golf, you know, the seniors are getting younger every year, and they're bringing that knowledge with them. And then they're forcing the people who aren't playing or are working as much. They might be, you know, now playing more poker than work. They're able to study. They're able to enjoy it. So, yeah, I think the game's getting tougher. I did go on to, as you mentioned, I went on to to Marrakesh um, to play the World Series circuit there. Very different crowd uh, where I found out in the main event, three aces don't hold up against four or five of hearts. And, uh, and then played some run good events this last week. And I cashed twice in one day. So it, it's up and down. But I, I think the win that I had, no matter the field, but it was you know a decent field. I know the guys it gives you a certain confidence. It gives you, you might know the right thing to do most of the time, but sometimes you don't have the courage to do the right thing in the right moment. And I think having run deep, uh, cashed a couple of times, it's given me the confidence to, to trust, I guess, what I think should happen and, and pull the trigger, which I think is very difficult at times for a lot of people. And is that always your default, Lon, is to sort of go back into your shell or be tighter if you know you're, you're faced with a tricky close decision. Yeah, it is. And it goes back to when I first started playing the game where my goal was to last as long as possible. I kind of thought, oh, this is how you do it. You just last as long as possible and then bust out, you know, just for the money and go home angry. And so, <laughs> um, I, it, in playing these games, and I, and I found in the Run Good series, uh, particularly in the main event, much tougher crowd. And I learned so much. And um, I, I'm having to to try to live the the mantra of the the chips you've bought in your money's gone the chips are there the chips are your ammunition they're your weapon and they're a viable part of the game and you you shouldn't hoard them you know you have to use them uh, or you will lose them and that's this is such a simple way to say it. 
That's good advice. Uh, one final thing. Have you had the opportunity to show your WSOP circuit ring to Norm yet? And what was his reaction? Uh, I, I haven't seen him in person, uh, but oh, yes, um, <laughs> I have shown it to him. I sent him a picture of it on, on my finger um, <laughs> and he woke. He said he woke up the next day and somebody else actually had beat me to the punch and sent him a message about it. So loving them. And uh, he didn't believe it at first. And then he started reading some reports and it, it was a typical <laughs> Norman response. And, you know, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot of fodder uh, for both me and Jamie, uh, two ring winners in the booth, uh, as Dara mentioned. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But he he's very happy for me. He's always thrilled with my good result and I love him for it because whatever the rest of the stuff he says is just, you know, to aggrandize himself. <laughs> well, was that too many syllables for your audience? I didn't know. Was that, that wasn't I, I liked it. I, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> sticking with the topic of WSOP, I noticed how you and Norm are promoting the WSOP free play app at the moment. I think you, you said you haven't seen him in a while, but I, I have an image now. Maybe I imagined it of some truly frightening wigs on both of you. Is that? Oh, right. <laughs> well, that, that was our, uh, we'd been working with the app and with the game uh, for several years. And so uh, we do, a, we do segments that are within the app called uh, WSOP Academy. And so we went a few years ago, we went down to LA and shot for four, four days, I think in the studio um, all the academy things. It's, it's kind of a, a primer for how to play poker, what to do, what the mechanics of the game are and different stuff. And they had to make it interesting because poker knowledge can be really boring for people who aren't interested into it. But as a full crew, it was a lot of fun. And so this year is the uh, WSOP Free to Play up um, 10th anniversary. So they're having us kind of take over their Twitter account and, and give people free chips and, and things like that. And I, I didn't know they'd brought on this thrill team either. I mean, they brought uh, Vanessa Selps out of retirement, I guess, to be part of it, and Patrick Antonios and, and Rampage. That's kind of interesting. Some donkey call Espanyorstad as well, I noticed in that very nice photo as well. Yeah, you know, but uh, if you don't play heads up, you know, that much, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you shouldn't be on a team. No. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing, the the lineup they, they've gotten. They've done commercials with big Hollywood stars and everything. So, yeah, they're all in on this one. Sorry to use that term. <laughs> <laughs> well, sort of segueing gently away from that, because I guess, like, this is very much in WSOP's interest, but it's an interest of pretty much every poker operator in the world right now. The U.S. is still fragmented. It's still like there's no real money online poker in most of the states. How do you feel about that, first of all? Because it's been more than a decade now, and I'm imagining even the most pessimistic people probably didn't take think it would take this long. And then secondly, as you see it sort of piecemeal coming back, who do you think are the big threats? Who are going to be the big operators in the space? Well, I... I I think the big names are still the big names. I mean, you know, Gigi also, I think, overtook Poker New Poker Stars as the biggest site on, on, online, from what I've heard. I've, I haven't looked at numbers. Um, uh, as far as the players are going to be, I think they're going to you're going to see a lot of the the same. You know, WSOP is going to try to keep expanding, and uh, Gigi and Poker Stars also. Uh, so those are the big players. There might be some. There are some smaller and great word fragmented sites that are here and there not operating kind of operating in the gray area um, as well. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, we had great hopes of just kind of bringing all the puzzle pieces together and having the U.S. be one. Um, 
and California, where I live, especially, you know, is a obviously a huge market, a, a huge economy. Um, and because of the size of the economy, from what I understand, the, the, the income that they would be getting, the state would be getting from poker, online poker is a drop in the bucket. And so there's not that urgency, though the legislator here, legislature here is, is I think, pro online poker. The problem is the actors, bad actors, good actors for many years have been fighting for pieces of the pie and nobody can come to an agreement and the legislature is not going to create an online poker site themselves. So bring us something viable, I think they say, and, and it could work. So I think there's some hope if, uh, you know, the racetracks and the Native American tribes and the poker stars and GG can all get together, but that hasn't happened so far. So I think we have seven out of 50 states right now that can do it. So it's, it's, a, it's a slog, absolutely. Yeah, Dara, turning to you, uh, to pick up on what Lon said there, it, it does seem at the moment like the big poker operators are all sort of eyes fixed on the prize of getting into the US market. Uh, poker stars well positioned. GG have been making moves in that regard. Certainly, I've heard rumblings that Party Poker were moving some resources from other areas of the company in that direction as well. We, of course, know Unibet would value getting in there as well. Like Lon touched on it there, but it's almost like the regulator or the license giver would be picking winners in that situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm just interested to know, like, well, firstly, who you'd like to see get in there and, and would offer the best games and the best options for people. But also, like, do you think it'll be opened up more generally or do you think it will be a case of like maybe three people get licenses or whatever it is? Yeah, I do think it's, it's, it's the, the, so far, it seems to indicate that it's the it's definitely the latter. Just a, a certain mm. number of licenses in each state, um, and 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 then you are picking obviously winners. And um, but you know they're not alone in that. Some European countries have also gone that route, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. Like you said, you know nobody thought it would last this long. I, to be honest, I kind of did because I remember reading about prohibition, and uh, within a few months of prohibition, they pretty much knew it was a serious mistake. That all they had done is they had kickstarted uh, uh, the under uh, certain criminal activities, and they really uh, brought that to the fore. But it still took ten years to uh, to effectively undo it. So that was something they realized straight away was a mistake. And still, the way American legislative processes work, which are very slow, um, it it's, it still took a long time to undo. In terms of who I'd like to see, I mean, obviously, you would like to see the the the, the reputable operators who. Uh, are, are are good on stuff like game integrity. They're not bending regulations. Uh, they have responsible gambling policies, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the, the the whole online space has become interesting because essentially what the what the US uh, being off 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 grid has done is it's created this huge underground uh, economy now where certain sites are operating presumably illegally in the US, but they're operating from other jurisdictions. So there's very little the US can do about them. We've seen the rise of the apps, which which is very much driven by American players uh, playing. And this and this has been a terrible development for, 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 for poker in general, because these sites have less uh, protections in place for consumers. Most European law in this area, EU law, is around consumer protection rather than anything else and 
the fact that America is effectively off the grid now has allowed sites to sort of, uh, so, some unreputable sites to to rise and get very large market shares just by marketing themselves very well to the, to the US. And you know, we talk about GG now. GG have cleaned up their act uh, in in recent years, and a lot of that is probably incentivized by wanting to get into um, into into the US market, but. But you know, it it, it 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 still remains that their 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 roots, let's say, and their rapid rise was very much uh, helped by them uh, flouting or, or or even just ignoring a lot of regulation. So you know, you would like to see sites that have played by the rules the whole time um, be the ones that will ultimately be rewarded. But I don't think that'll be the case. I think they will just literally go with who you know makes the best pitch, who they think will. Uh, uh, generate the most revenue for the site uh, for the states that as they legalize, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, the amount of GG people I've heard using this phrase "white label" over the last few months—it seems to have come from the top down. That everyone's been told we're white label and how we're white label, which I guess is their way of you know trying to make that claim that they're going clean um, and no longer allowing the VPN stuff or the. Uh, agent system is maybe getting wound down. I'm not sure exactly about all of that stuff, but like you said there, they certainly got a leg up over everyone else um, by continuing to get those players involved um, under the table, so to speak. In the same way as, I guess, after the UIGA passed in uh, Bush's very last year, um, for, what, three, four years, uh, you know, PokerStars and... um, uh, full tilt can, uh, stayed in the space and got a huge leg up where party poker left at that point and they suffered so it is interesting whether you know <laughs> all of these guys I guess have, have have you know blots on their copy book if you like so it'd be interesting to see if they get it or or indeed it goes to someone with a, a sort of an American pitch like WSOP or MGM as I'm sure they'll come at it from or do they go with the, um, the European sites who've been pretty clean like Unibet or do they go with the the companies that are bigger and have sort of bigger poker reputations, but do have these sort of um, checkered pasts. Um, turning so to the I, let me jump in. Let me jump yeah, in. Jump in, jump in sorry, please, Lon, yeah. Um, when you say they, are you talking about individual states? I don't know that you're going to get a, a US-wide uh, movement. You know, the federal government is not ha- does, doesn't care. You know, everything nowadays, including, you know, reproductive rights is is on to the states, you know. And so I don't think the federal government is going to get involved. Party poker left on better terms than the other guys did, but I don't. I think it's been so long that um, I don't know that anybody in any legislature remembers what happened, cares about <laughs> poker, you know, at all. So you're, it's going to be a familiarizing thing where GG, associated very deeply with the World Series of Poker, just opened up, I think, operations in Canada. So maybe some sort of geographical closeness will help them and legislature individuals legislatures can see what's going on in Canada as a test market maybe and it can filter down I I, I don't I don't know if there's any, any memory for individual policymakers right now to remember what happened or you know they, they just want to see numbers I think yeah and I don't know can that bring enough numbers can poke online poker bring enough numbers for governments to care do you think Dara yeah, well, that, that, that's the question, and like I agree that 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 the actual history doesn't matter so much. It's just with some of the sites, you you would still be concerned that behind the scenes they're still breaking re- regulations, and that they might draw the attention. Uh, you know, the way that um, the DOJ did eventually clamp down on full tilt and stars, and that actually had a seismic effect on the whole 
poker like I think the last thing a legislator wants to do is to give a license to a site which continues to operate uh, in a grey area and, and, and break the regulations and then have have somebody you know not necessarily the the DOJ in this case but even you know the EU might get involved the EU uh, as I said their regulations are all based around consumer protection and if they decided that a, a site was operating contrary to the um, interests of the consumers they might they, they, they might do a clampdown so I think that would be the that would be what they should concern themselves with more rather than just you know oh back in 2006 uh, full <laughs> tilt and 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 stars continued operating when they shouldn't have I I I do agree that that's not particularly relevant anymore. Yeah, no, great, great boys, and and I agree with you, Lon, as well. That you know, it is piecemeal, and it's likely to stay piecemeal for the you know near future, probably even middle term um, with America. But but at the, at the flip side of that, I would say is that California is probably the same size as Europe in terms of a market. Oh, it is even bigger. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's even just getting France, into a few key states would be huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah and they Europe. might. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, just to cut across you there. I've looked at it, like it's obviously huge, but I don't think it's the same size as Europe. That might be a slight exaggeration. I've heard it's the same size as France, which is the biggest single market in Europe. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you know, for the operators, I think it it is the the biggest cherry on the tree in California, obviously, you know, with with the economy, the number of players and proximity of Vegas and and all that. So, um, again, if they can get that state, they're hoping that's like the biggest domino to to move forward at that point. But from what I've seen and, and living here all my life, um, it, <laughs> they're in deep mud. Nobody's moving quickly. Mm. Well, turning now to the big story of this week, uh, hot topic of RTA, real-time assistance is mm. back in the news, prompted this time by a poker trainer's decision to remove its 20-second delay. Odin, the brainchild of Rory Young, launched a sale of its product on the back of this decision, prompting friend of the show, KL Cleeton, to call them out. Matt Berkey also spoke out about this decision and its potential consequences. Those guys ultimately had a podcast together. The major concern is that without a time delay, the trainer can be used as a very effective RTA in real time. Dara, I wrote an article on this during the week. I'm interested to know your thoughts. Yeah, like this is obviously not it's not a new story. It's just that kind of people are starting to slowly realize that it could potentially be used in that way. Now, and not just Odin. I mean, it's unfair to uh, just focus on Odin because they changed their policy recently, but other other competing products as well have uh, have have actually operated for a while without without a delay. And it, it it's obviously a concern that people could be using it as RTA. I think there's a couple of things we can say about that, which maybe to allay people's fears. Number one is that the sites, at least the, the 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 reputable sites, are doing everything they can to find people who are cheating, and 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 it doesn't have to just be the case that they you know see the person running something on their computer. They 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 have sophisticated methods of detecting what a normal human plays like and what a human using RTA plays like and and detecting on that basis. So that that's the first. The second thing I would say is that uh, I think people are probably overstating the concern for a lot of the economy. Like it's it's extremely unlikely uh, that people are using this at mid to low stake tournaments. And even if they were, it's not exactly clear how effective that would be because you know a chip EV simulations are all well and good and they and they, and they will be particularly effective in cash games but in tournaments where icm warps everything or or pqos where bounties warp everything um then if you 
even if you were using Odin and you were doing exactly what it told you to do in every spot, it wouldn't really give you much of an advantage because there are spots where, you know, we know in satellites you're supposed to fold aces and Odin would never tell you to fold aces. Uh, it would, so, so there are spots where people would be making mistakes. So, so I think at least as far as most players' online experience goes, you know, most people who play tournaments don't play high stakes. And they uh, and at, at the mid stake to low stake level in tournaments, I don't think it's as big as a concern as as people think it is. The danger always is that every time this brings up this uh, is brought up, it feeds into people's idea that oh, all online poker is rigged, and uh, you know that's it's 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 much easier to believe if you're losing online that it's because you're being cheated than just you 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 you're not as good as your uh, competition. Um, so it's something which really plays into. Uh, players' fears, and there's a danger when we talk. The, every time we talk this up, that we just drive people away, thinking, "Oh, it's all cheated." It's it's interesting that it, it tends to follow our online poker around and not live poker. And it doesn't matter how many cheating scandals we have in live poker; it never seems to really impact to the point where people think live poker is rigged. But it takes very little to get people thinking, "Oh, online poker is rigged." Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And and recently. Um, our friend Phil Galfon put out a video on, on YouTube talking to that point and talking about why the sites have no interest in uh, dishing out the bad beats and getting rid of people, you know, uh, in, on the, in the tournament format. But uh, and, and you're right. It, it's bad news travels quicker than good news, Dara. And when, when you have a headline uh, and when you have huge mouthpieces like Daniel Negreanu uh, speaking out on things like that. Um, people hear it. And you know, like we've seen in a lot of politics, you know, the, they don't have time to read the whole story. They see the headline and they don't see really what the, what the whole story is. Um, but I think anything like that is dangerous to the future of spreading online poker in the U.S., David. Yeah, great point. Um, one thing we can, however, like Dara's made some great points there about the unlikely hood of it being used in low to mid stakes and tournaments it's it's you know where it's not effective i think that's absolutely right but rta has become much more prevalent in high stakes online games over the past couple of years that does seem to be true and i'm interested lon there's a debate raging right now about whose responsibility that ultimately is these software manufacturers could argue that there's no onus on them to do anything other than create the best piece of kit possible with the least amount of delay possible after that then it's up to the sites to police the software's use if it's maybe being deployed as a cheating device for example dominic nietzsche said to me Ultimately, I believe the real responsibility when it comes to catching RTA users lies with the poker sites. We are paying sites millions in rake, yet the security somehow gets a pass for being unable to detect the most basic and obvious forms of cheating. Now, Dara's made the point there that, you know, actually the sites do have quite sophisticated methods. And actually, we're planning a future show with a, a good friend of ours, Bardal, who worked in uh, poker security and was very much involved in those kinds of things. It's probably limited what he can tell us specifically, because obviously there's tricks to the trade that need to remain secret. But we are keen to to, to hear what he says, because it will offer a, a better counterbalance. But I'm interested, like, when you hear something like that, Lon, do you feel like, oh, yeah, well, if someone's just making software, why not just make it as good as you can? And then it's the site's problem. Or is it actually, is there a moral responsibility there? Oh, I, I think there's a moral responsibility on anybody involved to call this out if they see it. Um, and, and 
I mean, poker <laughs> has so many opportunities for immoral behavior. Um, but with any gaming site, with any game, uh, the people involved uh, have a responsibility for uh, maybe not policing it in a hundred percent of the cases or the essence of the word, but um, not ignoring it. Yes, there was a moral responsibility. And, and, and Dominic, it was interesting in your article, which was uh, as usual, very well written. Uh, I don't know why you don't write novels, you know, um, that they, he said, and I don't think it matters the, the point you brought out for Dominic that there, it's not a very good solver. <laughs> I think he was saying, you know, yeah. and so it's, you know, don't worry about it. Um, I think we all have to worry about it because, you know, the I think the the first ever securities trade in, in U.S. stock market was before 1800. The Securities and Exchange Commission didn't come into be till 1934. So there was a there was a lot going on before that that forced that <laughs> to happen. So I, I think we're kind of in that mode where um, don't underestimate the criminal element. You know, they're always going to try to find a way to be immoral. And um, ultimately, the sites have a huge interest in policing it and using getting the technology to detect it because if their site can be trusted nobody's going to play on their site uh, or not enough to to solve to uh, appease them and their you know people in the corner offices so it's in everybody's best interest uh, and it's a tough tough thing to to do to to try to find all this but in in order in, for the game to move forward for the players to move forward and be confident they they have to police their site i think yeah, Gary, I want to bring you in here to to lay out the sort of other side of it, I guess. Um, the immorality, I suppose, of softwares not building in feature mechanisms which can stop them being in, used in real time. Uh, those kinds of things take the form of short delays that are longer than time banks or other features which monitor the timestamp signature of the imported hand matching it to the timestamp of when the hand's being uploaded. Obviously, you can see why that would work. And I think in those situations with some of those softwares, uh, it, it triggers a sort of a, we're not going to you know, generate this solution for you, uh, which is obviously a very good build-in mechanism. Um, but Tom's other point is that there are other features in various products that can be used to cheat in a much more effective manner, yet no one would call them out. And Max Silver actually spoke, um, sort of echoing that, but also pointing to how it's not a new problem. He was pithy, he said, uh, for everyone freaking out about RTA killing poker, don't worry. Cheaters have had access to this stuff privately for ages, uh, so you're already fucked. What would you say to that? Yeah, I'm like, it's, it, it, it has been an open secret, obviously, that some players have had access to this sort of stuff. Um, now, that requires them to put a certain uh, to put a large amount of investment in, but you know the, the, the rewards are, are, are there if they do it. Um, what what's different now is that you have these uh, database tools which are available to everybody for uh, a, a relatively modest monthly subscription, um, and the fear is that 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 that, that will drive it uh, drive up the chain further. I think I, I mean I think Dom is right that like I don't really I th I think it's a little bit unfair to pick on the makers of these products and say well this could be used for cheating so you're immoral doing this product it's like you know uh, like a, a, th there are lots of products that can be used to do uh, illegal and immoral things with but that doesn't mean that the, the the product developer is doing something illegal or immoral developing that product um i do t i do agree with Dom that the onus is on the sites because they they have the they have the biggest incentive their incentive is to keep the game fair uh, to keep people coming back onto their playing on their site and to make sure that their customers aren't cheated um 
so so really that's where the, uh, the focus of attention should be now again coming back to the reason why i think it's all overstated is that if if it if if it was a massive massive problem i think we would have seen a huge rise of just completely new players coming from nowhere and crushing and we haven't seen that we have seen pretty much what we've seen over the course of online poker people rise to the stakes at fairly slow levels and a few of them get to the higher stakes and in fact, a lot of the guys who have been caught in the past, it's it's the speed of their rise which actually uh, uh, made them suspicious in the first place. You know, uh, Fedor Cruz, who was actually um, a natural aid ambassador, I believe, he was. It was the speed where he went from playing sort of like low stakes to high stakes that people went, wait a minute, how is this even possible? Um, same was true of Ali Imcirovic. Uh, Ali's rise was meteoric, and that was really what raised red flags about him. The fact that there aren't like hundreds and hundreds of other people that were going like, where did they come from and how are they suddenly so good and why are they crushing? Makes me think that this is probably not a big a problem as as we think. And I think that is mostly down to the fact that, as I said, you know, using Odin or GTO Wizard or any of the other products in online tournaments is not going to make you uh, make you rich very quickly. And, and Dara, just to kind of open up the point a little bit about you were saying, and I believe you, it's more of a problem at the, at the high stakes, which is, quick question, how much of the high stakes, what percentage of that of the poker world? I mean, is that 1% maybe, you know? Yeah, that's pr- it's, it's probably in that region for sure. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's, so it's, it's there, a they, visible part, but 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 it's really just a tiny part of the ecosystem. Exactly. I think it is a a lot of it could be a PR problem, like you mentioned, and and I think from you know a humanistic standpoint, uh, you can't blame the maker. You know, I mean, you're right. So many things can be used for deadly devices. You know, you you can't stop you know pens from being jabbed into people, but. Um, so do you well, think well, now sorry, because, just to jump in quickly there, Lon, because yeah. I, I do accept that a pen could be used to stab somebody, but its purpose isn't to stab somebody. If if something's okay. one of its functions is obviously in this case to coach people, but a very obvious other function could be to cheat, then it's probably more analogous to a gun. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Absolutely. Um, and I was thinking about that. I didn't know what example of Dara might use, but yeah. You're right, yeah, very right. But even if gun. it is more analogous to a gun, like, are we saying that all gun manufacturers are immoral because they're making something which which kills people? Um, no, exactly. I, well, I, think, but I, think, that's, I think that's where the debate should be. Like, I agree with yeah. you, and I think that's really complicated. And I, I can imagine it was where, like, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people, and it'll be yeah, like, but I software think, doesn't cheat, people yeah. cheat, you know, it's... But I think the debate, the, the debate, the debate around guns is always how much gun control there should be, and uh, right. you know, certainly in Europe, it's accepted that the way you uh, you 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 police that is you just put gun regulations and some gun control in place, not that you slap fines or you ostracize gun manufacturers for making for making their product. So, do you think that uh, what I was getting to about the one percent of the high stakes players? Do you think it? And it seems to be happening. More of the onus should be on that high stakes group of players in addition to the sites. I mean, they seem to try to police themselves pretty well. They're a small, you know, group and they know each other and they, and sometimes they go off a little unhinged as we've seen, (laughs) but does it need to go to more of the players than if it were a a larger market of, of affected players, do you think? 
Yeah, no, I, I, do, I do think it's definitely helpful if if, if that community self polices. Um, obviously, the, the the danger with this, and 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 I always go back to the analogy of my former world athletics is that in, in athletics, every time a drug cheat is caught, uh, unfortunately, the message the general public tends to take from that is not, "Oh, that's great, they're catching cheats, they're rooting out cheating in 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 the sport." It's, "Oh my God, there's cheating in athletics. They're probably all juicing." And there is a danger that every time a, a new cheating scandal comes out, it does just it does just feed that narrative that all poker players are cheats, um, which clearly is not true it's not even it's probably not even one percent of one percent in terms of who's cheating but 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 that tends to be the message that people get from that so I, I, it, it's a it's a complex issue because obviously it's good that they're self-policing but i think a lot of the uh the the, the shouting and hyperbole that you get drawn around the social media about it actually just exacerbates the the image problem that poker has well Speaking of self-policing, um, a few days ago, Daniel Negreanu made new allegations of online cheating against Ali Imsirovich, who, as we all know, has been banned from multiple live and online poker operators for his illicit behavior. Uh, Negreanu tweeted, all operators, both online and live, should proactively ban him indefinitely. He is the opposite of remorseful and is actually boastful, bragging about robbing former friends. Lon, what did you think when you first heard the story of Ali and Jake Schindler's behaviour? And what did you make of these new allegations in the last few days? Uh, well, I, how big is, is a grain of salt when I hear Daniel Negreanu talk? I, know, there, there's, uh, I take a mountain of salt with what I hear from Daniel. That being said, obviously, he is an insider and he knows these people and he knows the game. Uh, he does have a tendency to go off um, uncocked, half-cocked, full-cocked. And I don't mean that literally from the pictures by the pool. Um, it's just... Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was wondering if you were going somewhere. I didn't realize you were going there. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, again, the loud mouthpiece, and, and Dara just referred to it, you know, that you have a small part of the small community, you know, and you hear of something and, and it tends to wash over the whole community, no matter how big or how small. It was unfortunate. And even if it's true, um, I, I think uh, Daniel does tend to go black and white, you know, on things uh, when he hears a little info. And from what I understand, um, from what I've read, Daniel heard about this happening. But again, there's a lot of inside knowledge. Alex Fox is saying the same thing. He can't reveal sources, but he knows mm -hmm. uh, that is happening 100%. So it's a dangerous thing when they start policing themselves. Um, I'm never surprised to hear about, you know, cheating in these situations when there's big money. It doesn't have to be poker. It could be anything with big money. There are going to be elements that are going to be trying to take that money illicitly. And um, it's unfortunate, but we have to, you know, keep hearing who's banging on the door uh, illegally and it's it's going to happen uh, you know it's just part of the game part of life well you, you're very wise to have the the mountain of salt nearby because uh, we, we even on this <laughs> show are, are very familiar uh we, we apparently rigged the 2019 gpi awards uh from, from, well, sitting at home in europe not even out there not even involved we we, we apparently had orchestrated uh, a fix um, because Daniel had heard something on that occasion. But look, let's uh, that aside, uh, ancient history. Um, I did yeah. find it interesting how Ali's cheating had been rumored for a long time, you know, go back, you know, more than two years almost. Mm -hmm. um, but it was only after Alex Fox and self-policing spoke out, accusing him that it, he became a 
persona non grata. He became, um, you know, the, the person he's seen as these days in the industry. We we have a similar accusation now by another prominent person in the community, maybe Fox and jumping in as well. The implication now being that he, he's still not only playing online under fake names, but he's also still multi-accounting. Dara, how careful do people reporting on this need to be? Because I get the impression that people feel like he's guilty now so they can say whatever they want. By that, I don't mean that he should be defended and I'm not trying to defend him here. But what I mean is, should we other people in the media and also like the more likely to go off on Twitter peers of his be a bit more delicate and careful about, you know, what they say and the process by which they tweet out or make allegations. Yeah. The, I mean, the short answer is yes. I think they should like, I don't think the case has been proven against him. Like the, the, the these uh, whisperings about him have been there almost from the start of his career. You know, we've interviewed people on this show who afterwards off the record have told us, that they believed he was cheating and that that was responsible for his meteoric rise. Um, so that, that, that has always been out there, but it, but, but it is, it has kind of gone from whispering to sort of generally accepted truth without any actual proof being, uh, being delivered. And that, that's the danger now that we are just going to presume people are guilty. And then uh, everybody's just going to accept that they're guilty, which is, you know, we're back to a sort of a mob mentality then. I do have a large uh, mountain of salt beside me too, every time Daniel talks on this, because, uh, you know, like, again, with Daniel and, and, and Gigi, it just feels that it's all about the optics rather than the actual reality. And they're they're trying to, what, what was that phrase you used earlier, white label themselves and appear uh, squeaky clean and, you know, oh, we're we're doing everything we can to root out cheats. You know, the online sites have always tried to catch cheats and, and have done it, but they don't shout about it because it's actually counterproductive to shout about it or to talk about your methods because then, it, it, you know, you're essentially tipping off the cheaters as to how they're getting caught. Um, so sites like, you know, Unibet are to give somebody that were not sponsored by credit um, poker stars. Poker stars have very much led the sort of game integrity and, and done everything they can to try and make sure that people aren't being cheated. And that's that the process of doing that is sort of behind closed doors using sophisticated detection methods and then catching people and then refunding um, the money to the people that, that, that they believe are cheating. It's not a sort of a publicity gimmick like a player integrity council where a bunch of well-known players all associated with gg by the way uh get together and decide oh we think ali's cheating so ali should be banned everywhere um that just that, that just feels like completely the wrong way to go about it and it's 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 more to do with a site which has some reputational issues in their past trying to now appear that they're sort of the the white knights who are who are riding in to save uh poker from cheaters well, finally on this, Lon, I wanted to ask you, you've obviously been in the industry longer than either Dara or I. We we listened to your coverage uh, for years, uh, long before oh, thank we you. played. How long? When you're a little kid, <laughs> probably, right? I didn't sorry, I didn't I didn't I wasn't trying to make you like a dinosaur <laughs> relic there, but apologies. But I suppose what I was trying to get at was that like poker has has emerged, if you like, from the kind of gloop of uh, cowboys, maybe, you know, getting out of town, gunslinging, making sure they got their money before they, uh, you know, had them, the people they took it off, take it back off them. 
to a kind of a, a nascent industry which had no regulation, was very much the Wild West in a way, to loads of scandals down the years involving both operators and individuals, and unfortunately individuals who had access to the backroom stuff of operators, one of the bigger scandals, and things like that. So take it in a kind of a context. When you when you see a story like Ali and Jake or the rumours around Bryn Kenny, which I guess are probably the three big ones this year. Obviously, the silliness that went around the the Robbie Jake Lou stuff, bit of a sideshow, really kind of annoying that that got attention when there's <laughs> leading there's right to ones. a GPI award, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm interested when you when you look at the like 20 years or whatever, um, and w- would you say that we're getting better? <laughs> like, is there is there any meaningful improvement in the way we either self-police or regulate or the sites operate or governments get involved? Yes, I, I think we are better, um, more sophisticated uh, from the player standpoint and from the technology and from how they run live games uh, and live tournaments. Um, again, it, uh, how can I, like Europe, uh, you go to Europe and you see buildings uh, that are in use that are older than the United States, you know, so we're still having growing pains. If poker uh, has only been in the public eye for what, 25 years, maybe not even 25 years. And so it's it's a rapid growth uh, to where uh, it was and to where it is now. And there's going to be growing pains. It's like any company that is going to build itself um, to this monumental size in that period of time. There's going to be a lot of mistakes I, I think um, poker is still kind of a startup company. Uh, they're trying to figure out what what works, what doesn't. There's a lot of other companies that are trying to mimic it and um, who is best for the consumers out there. And it, it's still a sifting process, I think. And, and the weird thing is, from our perspective, and you've been around most of the poker boom, um, is that because we've been there from that beginning of the poker boom um, that we've seen the whole arc and we feel, Oh God, we've been here for 20 years, but you read the history books and you go, well, yeah. The, the first 10% of poker's life, you know, it had some growing pains, but now it's perfect. So I think the history books will read this as a, as a um, growing pains as, as a learning process and as a normal stumbling pitfall process of, of any type of operation. And we're just happened to live it and we're right in the moment. And so it seems to be taking longer and more frustrating. So I, I think it's pretty normal. That's good. I'm, I'm glad we, we had a slightly more hopeful note to end that one on uh, a quick results roundup. Now, before we go uh, to, I want to ring. Of... Did you get that in? I want to ring. You would, you do know, I think we did mention that, but we'll mention it again okay. one more time. Just I promise. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, two former guests of the show were in the news this week. Philip Grusom has announced himself back after a period of apparent sabbatical. He won the GG Masters overlay edition for 800k a few days ago. Also in the news just in the last couple of days was Jason Kuhn, who won a record fifth Triton event at their festival in Vietnam. Congratulations to both of those lads. Finally, in Unibet news, the Spring Poker Championship main event is this Sunday. It's a 35k guarantee, 100 quid buy-in, two-day event, and there's a full schedule of other games around it to build your session. Uh, at the time of recording, a player with the initials SL, and I'm sorry, not DO, Dara, is leading the high and overall leaderboard, but there's still plenty of points up for grabs, so maybe a, a late surge is, is on the cards. Uh, 
Um, a quick shout out. I wanted to do this one for the man who goes by the Twitter handle Bud PLO, who won our PLO main event on Wednesday night. Our tournament manager, Andy Payton, was very worried that this one was going to overlay. Uh, so he asked Darren and I to do a last minute promotional campaign and it ended up smashing its guarantee. And the guy who won it actually did a lovely tweet saying how he, he spotted our um, salacious promoing i don't know maybe i don't know if that's the right word there but it, it was um there was threatens of nudity anyway in there and uh threats of nudity and uh anyway that helped him spot us and he uh ended up winning the event so we're very happy for him before we go lon uh before we go yep. wsop ring mm-hmm. uh, winner lon uh, thank you, you have you have a new show that you told me off air you can't say much about but maybe just maybe you could tease us with yeah, um, I, I was contacted by uh, Todd Anderson, who created Poker uh, Night in America and Heartland Poker Tour. And uh, he's got a new concept that he wants to bring forward in Las Vegas. So looks I'll be heading uh, to Vegas probably a week or two, I mean, a day or two every week for a while. Um, it is, it's a cash game setting, in, uh, but in a little different, little different setting, as it were. Uh, and uh, we got some really good people involved um i'm not supposed to say too much but um my new tv partner i think if he doesn't listen uh, phil galfon so so we've got a a good lineup and some other people and uh it's going to be probably a month away or so uh, that we're working on that so i'm really excited to, to do something outside wsop and uh show people that i don't know anything about cash games either (laughs) <laughs> well I, you heard it here first or did they hear it here first i don't know no that i asked todd if i can say anything he says uh not announced we're gonna announce it later so just try to keep it on the down low but i probably said too much already <laughs> well a great friend of the show todd anderson he was actually on our very first episode when we came back uh, on the air after oh, okay. our yeah. lengthy enough sabbatical between seasons one and two um and i want to give a shout out to him actually now that you give me the opportunity uh, a lot of the poker uh, content creators who who make the sort of the fancier programs uh, get a little bit shitty when you uh, threaten to brush up against any kind of copyright or what they would infer as copyright infringement um, on the YouTubes or when we're making our strategy segments or whatever. Big exception to that rule is Poker Night in America and Todd Anderson, who's always been very good to us here on the show, always uh, been very happy to give us clips of his uh, episodes if we wanted to use them. So we, we do appreciate him and we wish you all the best with that venture. It sounds very exciting. Oh, thank you very much. I've, I've, I've known Todd for a long time. And like you said, he's, he's good people. And uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of clips on your shows. And before we do sign up, I think what you guys do is, is fabulous. Is, and, uh, you know, you're some of the smartest minds in the world. And of poker and uh just, I really no, just don't mind the, don't mind of poker bit just leave it no but thank you very much i, I appreciate you guys are, are keeping it real and that's really nice i uh, really appreciate you saying that it, it remains for me to thank you our special guest lon mccarran thank you so much happy to be here happy to see you guys again you both look well get a haircut dara and <laughs> dara thank you as always yeah, thanks to and thanks to everybody who watches. And if you if you do want me to get a haircut, uh, the best way to do that is to is is to like this video when you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love, love it. I, we had a meeting about three days ago. Dara been chatting with Kevin Martin, and Kevin was saying we don't chill enough the the like and subscribe hit buttons. So I I love how you just snuck that one in there. Dara's beautifully done. <laughs> Vote now. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. You too. Bye bye.